our topic for tonight uh, is the approach to Rosh Hashanah as what we're calling a celebration of the coronation of Hashem. And this has a very clear basis in the Sefer Kesarosh, who brings that Rebuchayim Velazhin was in great joy at the time of Tzkiah Shefer. And he said that this is similar to a country when they are coronating their king, giving him a crown, that they are in great joy. It's a great celebration. In fact, the first reason for Shefer that's brought in the San Jigayin, the 10 reasons, is um, that, uh, that we are, Shem is undertaking his Malucha, starting once again the new year. This is the anniversary of the creation of the world, and it's like a reenactment of the initial starting of the king's rule. And the Lashem Bechayim Elohim is that we are anointing Hashem king over all the worlds because we are his nation. So I'd like to start by just trying to get a little sense of this through the situation of the Mashal. That scenario where a country is coronating their king, where there's tremendous joy, it's a great celebration. And I invite everyone to share whatever you can, how you understand what is the great celebration at such an occasion? Why, if we could find you know, a uh, good reason why the people are in such a emotional state of peak simcha, what is that really all about? Is there anything that, uh, that comes to mind that you could suggest would it be the reason, a good reason for the nation to be in such joy, such excitement over the coronation of their king? And uh, whoever wants to be brave enough to start is invited. No pressure, of course, like always, but only every good invitation. So anybody who has any, it's like simple thought even on this. What is the great celebration really all about when the king is undertaking his rulership at the very uh, outset and being given the crown? Uh, how about a Karasatov? Um, well, he's just starting, so maybe a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit soon. <laughs> if you know what I mean. But um, okay, certainly, at some point, that would be warranted. Yes, and maybe, maybe you mean in, in the anticipation of what he's going to do for the country.
So I imagine that, um, you know, if we'd have some time to think about this, probably the, probably the simplest idea would it be that um, they're expecting, like maybe it's being into that here, they're expecting great benefit to the country to come from their king and his rulership. If he's someone who is a truly worthy king, he'll be able to provide security, protection, guidance, all kinds of benefit to the country. Something along the lines of uh, we find Rebbe Chaziso, great tzaddikim, even one of the malucha for the opportunity to be totally devoted to their people because they really had so much to give. So the nation could certainly be looking forward to receiving uh, tremendous help from their king. Maybe that could be a cause of simcha. Rabbi, are we talking about Hashem the king? Or are we talking about a human king? I'm trying to start in the in, in the case of a human king, but of course, you know, the best kind of human king may be one that never ever actually ever existed. <laughs> but what happens if the human king turns out to be evil? Right. So we we have to use a muscle that could be a valid muscle, which is always you know an element that um, is at play when we're using a muscle for for Hashem. That has to be something that's worthy of being the muscle for Hashem. So let's try to imagine a king who is truly a good king, the best kind of king that could be imagined uh, as a human being, where the, where the country can truly look forward to him providing them with so much good, so much good service that he is eager to give to them. His, his intentions are not for his his own selfish, selfish interests whatsoever. No, he wants to give to the country. And they can expect that there will be a lot of good coming from him to them. And I imagine that could be a part of it. Are, are we ahead. talking about a Jewish king? Or are we talking about kings in general? <laughs> okay, so, you know, of course, uh, it's hard to imagine a non-Jewish king that would have all the good qualities that, that we would hope for. But again, in a in a in an imaginary sense, it doesn't have to be Dafka per se, a Jewish king. Just, you know, we're asking a lot of this king. We're asking him to be somebody that is the king that we would all hope for to be our king. So try to imagine that person that would have all the qualities that you would hope for in a king. And you are there at the coronation. And there's a, there's a sense, there's a, there's a feeling, there's a, there's a powerful feeling that's pervading this event. What is that made out of? So no doubt people are anticipating tremendous good to come to the country from the king. But I wonder what else there might be. And if you have any thoughts, you know, 
please don't hold them back. It's very, um, in a certain sense, very challenging to be able to let go of, uh, you know, a lot of the previous associations that we have with a king-nation, certainly king-servant relationship. And that, that needs to be, you know, sort of addressed independently. That's a very significant accomplishment to be able to take a fresh view and try to dis- disassociate from what we've thought before and try to like create a new model and a new picture, a more truthful one as far as what we're trying to use to understand the Torah. So we're trying to envision a king that has every virtue that we would hope for in a king that we can imagine any person ever having. And, and because of those virtues, he is truly worthy to be chosen as the king and to be coronated as the king. He is someone who is eminently wise and just and courageous in battle and kind and compassionate and devoted to his nation, completely devoted to his nation without any personal interests for his own honor. He's one who recognizes their devotion to him, their their true character. He's one who is able to lead them, to guide them, to educate them, to uplift them. He's someone who represents every virtue that they would want to see in a person. So I would imagine that in such a situation, if there could be one like that, that just being the nation of such a king, just having that connection to such a person who they can call their king, who they have knowledge of, who they have some connection to, who they can look forward to continuing to be inspired by, to learn from, not just to be helped in a practical way, but to be always show the model of what a person can truly be and try to aspire to that, to be as much as they could by, by that connection, by, by, their, by his being their king, their being his nation. That itself will be a phenomenal cause of upliftedness. This is the person who we are so fortunate to be able to call our king and he is calling us his nation wow that's that's just that's that cannot be put into words that's even beyond the actual practical help that he's going to give to us of which there will be so much but just to be the nation of this king to have a connection to this king, to 
to con- continuously be guided by, learning from, inspired by this person, that is enough to transform them, transform their life. So, of course, that can apply with us to Hashem. But let's try to imagine a something very a unique happening at this coronation. And what's the coronation? The, the king, the crown is placed on the king's head by a, yeah, the most esteemed members of the nation. But of course, this crown is designed by the king. And what if when the king is about to receive the crown, and then when it's given to him, the people see that the crown is not just pure gold studded with diamonds. It has a writing on it. And what it says on the crown and the king's crown is, who is like my nation? What people is like my people? Where he is considering to be his peak honor that he is the king of this nation, that this nation is his nation. He is seeing in them all the good that they have within themselves that they might not even have been fully aware of. What happens when they see that? I would imagine that it gets very quiet. There's like a very, very deep silence. We are who the king considers to be his glory. What does that tell us about ourselves? We are the nation that he considers not just to be a worthy nation that he's devoted to, a worthy nation that he respects and loves and cares for and is always going to be involved with every waking moment. We are a nation that he is placing on his crown as the symbol of his glory. And only because he knows that we are worthy of that. And we as a nation are worthy to be his primary aspect of glory. Not all his might, not his army, not his his enormous power, not even his own personality. That he has such a nation is what he has chosen to be, what she has seen fit to be, what is upon his crown. That's 
That's a whole new dimension of the king and a whole new understanding of themselves. That means that this coronation is teaching them who they are, and that they cannot properly coronate the king unless they understand that. That it is a fantastic relationship of their seeing his greatness, his unique greatness, and his seeing their worthiness, their innate goodness, and their potential to the point of being fitting to be on his crown. And that's what we have with Hashem. Because an Hashem is tune, as the Gemara says, Hashem wears, works as the mashal. It's written inside, which is showing that what Hashem considers to be the primary means of his glory being seen on earth is Kal Yisrael. as acquired for us and transmitted and continued from the Avais into the Kal Yisrael and, and maintained such a closest to Hashem, such a devotion to Hashem, such a purity, such a commitment that we, we are worthy to be and Hashem sees us as and shares with us that knowledge to know that we are that which brings out his honor in the world above anything else. So we have to know that in order to do a proper coronation. Now that's quite a lot to take in, but it didn't start out like it didn't start out like that after the ego. Excellent, was, yeah, excellent, excellent. Yes, there have been um, some uh, rough spots, but then there was a uh, a uh, tshuva, which culminated on Yom Kippur, and there was luchos and there was a, a mishkan. There was a lack but innately Klausel never lost that innate connection that, that lasts throughout the generations. And we have manifested throughout the generations that we will not be forced away from our connection to Hashem. And it is for that reason and that initial undertaking that we did undertake at the risk of all material loss, I was part of this whole necessary system that showed us, that showed from us that Hashem is worthy of that, that we are connected to Him, that we are devoted to Him. That's what brings out Hashem's honor in the world, which thereby makes us to be Hashem's crown. So in a sense, we are crowning Hashem with ourselves as he has seen in us. 
that's a very unique kind of simcha. That's a very deep simcha. That's a very powerful simcha. But that's that's a different kind. But of course, it teaches us about Hashem, our Melech. Yes, go ahead. Could you talk a little more in detail about what that means, that Hashem describes us as his glory? What, what, what does that mean? What is it about us that glorifies Hashem? That clearly indicates there's something very deep and special going on. But what, what actually is that about I'll tell you how we can get a sense of it. If we can try to ask ourselves in a quiet and honest moment, if we would be called upon to face the ultimate sacrifice or to abandon our connection with Hashem, what would we do? If you can answer to yourself that you are ready to maintain your connection to Hashem at, at the cost of whatever may be necessary, then you then you'll know what we have within us. which has lasted through the generations. And there are other outstanding qualities of cholesterol that are Birusha from the others. But to, to get in touch with it, we have to try to bring ourselves into the deepest place. Rebbe. Go ahead, Moshe. Can I ask hold, hold, a question? Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Yehuda, does that respond to your question? Um, I think it, it definitely helps, yeah. In other words, to sort of, sort of to clarify just a little bit, we can hear about religious fanaticism that can produce uh, all kinds of extreme things or other kinds of um, no, really not good situations that can cause people to do um, like kamikaze pilots in the Second World War. But we know of ourselves that that's not what's present within us. And that has not been what's present in the Jewish people throughout the generations was not fanaticism, it was not just, uh, who knows, some kind of a, you know, control. It was not control of any, any, any power that was causing us, that was empowering us to remain loyal um, in the face of most uh, supreme sacrifice. So if we can discover that within ourselves as well, and we will know that it's real.
Go ahead, Alicia. Yeah, I was actually I was gonna ask that. Like we see we see crazy people do crazy things like in the name of right in the name of us in the name of God, whoever right. God. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah, but I think that this is a valid response to that question. I mean, but that, we're, we're the Jewish people we're still here because I think because Hashem has kept us here, not because we're more than than we're devoted to Him. No, um, that could be. That there's, of course, a lot of Hashem's intervention in the enabling us to survive. But um, this element of the Jewish people remaining steadfast despite any threat to us to cause us to abandon Hashem has been true throughout the generations. The attempts um, to forcibly tear us away have been um, quite predominantly unsuccessful. And we know of many uh, incidents of people that had been seemingly very far away from the religion at a point of unique challenge and it surfaced within them and they did not turn their back on, on their people. Despite whatever they were facing. Well, can I, can I ask a question? Yes, go ahead, Gary. Well, well if, if we're Hashem's crowning glory, how, how come he keeps letting us get butchered? Wow. Um, that's a very difficult kind of question, of course. Um, I mean, is it beyond our comprehension? Um, we, we can only relate to it in the sense of that um, even under the most painful situation, a person can have the recognition of who is the real source of his life and who is the real master of his life and be accepting Hashem's decree to him. And that itself is the greatest spiritual accomplishment for himself and for his nation and for the world. So how it is that we we're in such a state of needing so much of that kind of serious nefesh, that kind of amuna that only comes out at the most trying moment. I don't think we can fathom that. But the, 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 the primary element is to try to look beyond what we could see in the present and here and now. And to know that the Jewish nation, every person, is essentially, is absolutely an eternal being. That may be the next step. But uh, if we have that kind of an awareness, so then everything else changes radically. The, the 
the loss of the physical existence is very much reduced in the context of eternal spiritual existence. Because that's because your nefesh can just go into another body at some point in time. Is that what you're trying to say? Or if it completes its, its mission in this world, then it is already reserved for its eternal, eternal reward. So it really would help us a lot to learn more about the, whatever we can learn about the nature of the eternal reward, what Hashem has essentially in the plan, what this is really all intended for. And that could help give a different kind of view. But ultimately, we will, we will not be able to grasp it totally because we cannot grasp it totally. And it may not even be desirable for the worldly experience to become immaterial because we have to care for other people and try to help them and not minimize their worldly experience as being insignificant. When it comes to trying to help somebody else or maybe even to... Um, pray to Hashem for ourselves, we need to have some respect for our life situation in this world. And we should look at it as something that's very valuable because there's opportunity to serve Hashem, come closer to Him. And essentially, Hashem wants us to have it. So our view on it should be that this is a very great benefit to have for ourselves or for anybody who we can help to have it in the best kind of way so that they'll be able to use it in the best way. The Rambam says that when the Torah promises everything good when we'll be keeping the Torah mitzvahs is not the reward for the, for the mitzvahs that we're doing. This is just that when a person is using his gifts in the proper way, they're able to serve Hashem and do his mitzvahs. So Hashem will make it easier for us it will give us all that bracha to enable us to have more time and more opportunity to be involved in studying his Torah, learning his mitzvahs. Now, in, every, in any given situation, there could be all kinds of calculations for each individual person. But essentially, the more that we could provide to somebody, or even have for ourselves, a little bit of a manageable life situation, I will enable them to be involved in doing good learning and doing good mitzvahs. So that's we should we should value it from that perspective. But we shouldn't look at it as the measurement of a successful or unsuccessful life. Um, the only thing that is really significant as far as that's concerned, and it'll also not measure in terms of successful, unsuccessful, but the only thing that really is uh, of any true value is our connection with Hashem. I just recently saw a letter from Chaim Friedlander, the Mashiach from Panevish, who is writing to somebody who was having seemingly some very significant um, difficulty, suffering in life. And he writes that um, when a person 
is able to do in such a kind of a situation under such circumstances is is so many times greater. It's multiplied thousands and millions of times. The learning that he does, the daven that he does, to be mechazek himself in, in, a, in a feeling of a be talking at such a time that he does. He, he writes there, a person could acquire in a short time under those trying circumstances what might otherwise take years and years to accomplish. So, It's best if we sort of leave to Hashem the calculation of what the cholesterol or any individual needs to go through and try to do the little bit that we can in using out those life situations to strengthen our connection, which could sometimes be not easy quite not easy but that makes it even so much more powerful okay uh, here's another question is there anything that could be added that might um, be able to even take that joy of celebration to even a higher level can we imagine anything that the king could then offer? After that, after that silence that might seem like an eternity is um, allowed to run its course. What could possibly be presented by the king himself being announced by his loyal announcers to the nation? That could even be in a more powerful kind of simcha or a powerful addition to what they have already. Okay. I'll try. Let's imagine that the name of the king is then announced. But the king has a plan for the nation and for every individual to bring them to heights that have never yet been seen in the history of mankind, to a kind of success, to a kind of exaltedness that will be unique in the history of the world. But it requires a full and total commitment on the part of the people or any individual that is willing to engage in bringing that plan into fruition. And the king asks that everyone close their eyes so they can't see anybody else. And raise their right hand if they are ready to join and undertake and do their part 
and bringing the king's plan for the nation and for every individual into actuality. A plan that only they could bring about that he is offering to them without yet even revealing the details. But he has a plan that they can choose to undertake as their mission. Okay, everybody say, what do you think? How many hands go up at that coronation celebration? I would hope all of them. I would hope that they would have the recognition of the greatness of the king and the trust in him. And after seeing what they saw, consider it to be their greatest honor, their greatest achievement, indescribable gift to be able to engage in bringing about the king's plan to benefit his nation and the world in a way that has never been seen before. And that will only add to the, to the, to the deepest joy in that celebration beyond any, any description. Okay, everybody say, what do we call that? What do we call that? What is that raise of hands where the people are clamoring to be given the opportunity to bring this king's loving plan into actuality? Not for their own benefit, but for the sake of doing what he knows to be good, what he wants to give, what he wants to accomplish. What do we call that? In the Lashon of the Chazal. I think we call that Kabbalah's oil mitzvahs. There was first the coronation of the king. And then there's the embracing his plan. In its true nature, his plan of giving so much good to his people. And that each one can contribute to it that each one has a unique role to play in it. Each one has a unique accomplishment of it for themselves and for the nation. Can you imagine yourself in that situation? Can, can, you, can you envision what you would do under those conditions that have been described? I hope you would say, yeah, I'm all in. I'm in. I'm ready. I want it. Okay, what's left? There's only one thing left. What's left is for the king to reveal a little bit of his plan. 
what that plan is all about. Does anybody want to guess what that plan might be all about? What is it that's going to enable this country to reach uh, unprecedented level of success? What is he going to give them? The Torah. <laughs> okay, and, and, and in, the, in the case of the Mashal, what could the king give? That would be the greatest gift that he could possibly give to the nation. What will bring them to a level that they could, they could never otherwise achieve, that no one had previously achieved? Of course, he'll give them the ability through some amazing method to truly connect to him, to become as close to him, each one of them, personally, as is possible. He'll give to them a teaching that will teach them how they can acquire everything good that he represents in their life for themselves as, as the person that they are, how they can become truly like him and connected to him for all their life and forever. And a nation that will all be together learning from their king, emulating their king, becoming like their king, will be a, a synergy, a combination of forces of so much goodness, so much love, so much connection, so much wisdom, so much power. That will just be explosion that will spread to the entire world, transform the world. That's what Nasina Satira was intended to be. That's what it's able to be, creating a nation that is one unit that is following the example of Hashem himself, that is becoming as much like Hashem as a person could be, becoming connected to Hashem for eternity and bringing about Hashem's plan to bestow the maximum good that is possible to bestow the good that is of Hashem himself that will be received forever. Experienced a little bit in this world. Understood maybe a little bit. Ram says the Nevi'im did not give any mashal because it would only minimize it. So the Sechar of cannot be comprehended. It's of Hashem himself. But we could know this is ultimate good that we are given to bring about. We as each individual and cultural as a nation, a unified nation to bring about. That is the, the culmination of the current nation. That is after we are the devoted nation. Now we are receiving our mission. We are embracing our mission. We are celebrating our mission. We are in ecstasy over our mission.
I always say that could be quite a celebration. Um, I'm not sure if I want a reaction because I'm really hoping that we're all speechless. Okay. But if anybody, if anybody could see how this could be the real understanding of Kabbalah's oil mitzvahs, it's not submission. It is, like the Ramchal describes it, being entrusted with Hashem's desire to benefit every person to the maximum and to perfect the entire world. This is being entrusted to us. If it would be offered to us, would we take it? At such a time, of course, we would grab it like we did. We said, Nasevenishma. That's why we have Shoifreis and Zechiros and Maimir Asinai in, in part of the Davening. Go ahead, Gary. Is, 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 is the Torah the, the crown of Klal Yisrael that Hashem crowned us with? Um, is that what you're trying to, trying to say? Um, we, we could definitely consider it that way. The Mishnah in Avos says that um, we know how beloved the Jewish people are, that we were given that precious uh, vessel through which and for which the entire world was created. That's the Torah. So this definitely communicates to Klal Yisrael our special relationship with Hashem. But it's not only that we have it as our crown, but we have it as our mission. We have it as our life content. We have it as the opportunity to be the ones to bring about Hashem's ultimately good plan, Hashem's infinitely good desire to give us the maximum good. So, so that so the Torah is our means of, of connecting to Hashem. That's right. Is that, is that what that's what that's right. I understand. And in, in, in the case of the Mushal, if you allow me to, you know, carry it through, the king's uh, trusted scribes, thousands of them, have written a scroll for every every member of the kingdom. Each one that raised their hand, able to study it and learn from it all the wisdom of the king that has been placed into it, where they will be learning from him, coming to understand him, and connecting to him whenever they study it, which will have unlimited levels of depth that will never be completed. That's the Torah. The Torah is Hashem's wisdom Hashem's goodness, the Gemara says, Torah is Tchilasa Chesed, the Seifa Chesed, to teach us that the entirety of the Torah is Chesed. The Torah is given as the culmination of Hashem's plan, creating the world, which was for the sake of bestowing kindness. So it is totality kindness, is manifesting, is teaching us Hashem's kindness. When we are receiving it and embracing it, we are doing it for the sake of the same reason, for the same reason that Hashem is giving us. We have within us that desire to bring about 
Hashem's attribute of kindness into fruition. We have the sense of it. We have the appreciation of it. We are made up in such a way that we can, we can somehow want to be, appreciate the kindness of Hashem, want to be the emissaries of Hashem's kindness. In a sense, to be the extension of Hashem, to bring about his kindness. Which is all accomplished by connecting to him. So we are, we are connecting to him as his trusted emissary to bring it about, his agent to bring it about. And the substance of it is connection to him. So it's all, all one. So the reason why the coronation is so unique is simply because it puts everything into such powerful focus. So that's the opportunity that we have on Rosh Hashanah to put into focus, oh, this is the start of the world that was created by Hashem. Who is Hashem? Who is our milk? What are his qualities? What are his midas? What is he teaching us? What is his purpose? Who are we in that purpose? Where do we fit? Oh, we are the ones who are offered to bring it about. We've already embraced it. We've already chosen it gladly, willingly. We can, we can reaffirm that. We can recreate that by first recognizing Hashem is a loving king. We are his nation. We are the ones who have the capacity to bring it about and then to choose it and to embrace it and to dance with it than to actually try to do it <laughs> and try to remember it. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to ask, um, why is it so much easier to feel happy about what you're describing before, let's say, Shavuos or Pesach than right oh. now? Oh, very good. Here's a, here's a very powerful question. How can this be combined with the awareness that Rosh Hashanah is Yem Adin? After all, we do know that it's a day of judgment. So how is it possible that we could, you know, be truly joyous? Of course, we know that we don't say how on Rosh Hashanah because there are Sifrei Chaim, Sifrei Mesim, Sifrei Lefana. And I think that's the, the hoped-for approach that we could take is to just try to stay aware of where our focus is going. If, it's, if our focus remains on Hashem, we can be okay. Hashem is judging. It's awesome. Yes. Sifrei Chaim, Sifrei Mesim, Pesuchim Lafana. Hashem is deciding the fate of every creature. That's Hashem and all his mastery. That's still focus on Hashem. If we take the focus of Hashem and place it upon ourselves, what's going to be with me? Then 
there's more opportunity for conflict. I'm going to start questioning, am I worthy? Hashem finding me worthy. But then my focus has been placed upon myself. And the hope is that doesn't have to happen. We can be confident that Hashem is running the world in the best good way. And we can even accept whatever He decrees. We have that power within us to accept the, the, the decree of Hashem. But that is still focusing on Hashem. Where a person's thoughts are, that's where they are. So who we will be on Rosh Hashanah is decided by what we're focused on. And we can be focused on Hashem. With all his greatness, and all his midas, among them is that he judges. Why is that necessary? Okay, it's necessary. Sefer Achino explains there's a need. And certainly that could be helpful to us. But the main focus has to be on Hashem's glory, Hashem's mastery, and Hashem's kindness. Because the more we're aware of Hashem's mastery in all the details, the more we can be aware that it is all created by Hashem only as an act of kindness, only to bring about the ultimate kindness. kindness. And it's all playing a role in that. So whatever is happening in Rosh Hashanah is only to bring about the kindness of Hashem, the ultimate kindness. Hashem is judging. We are pleased with it. We are celebrating that as well. That's all part of how Hashem is bringing us, helping us to come close to Him. This is not so simple. <laughs> not so simple. It's very easy to fall into the mindset of, am I good enough? What am I going to receive? What's going to happen to me? But if we try to stay aware of our thoughts, we could see them playing out, and we could choose to let them go and turn back to what we really want to focus on. Hashem is the creator. Hashem is the master. We are his nation. He has a plan. It's for us to bring it about. It is very good. It is our glory to be his chosen nation, to bring about his plan. How can we do it right now? What can we do to add to bring about Hashem's plan? In this moment, it might even be to accept his din. That will probably be itself a very great tzachos. But we shouldn't do it for that reason. <laughs> we should accept Hashem's din because it is MS. Because we want the truth that Hashem sees as truth. That will be doing something very major to bring about Hashem's good plan. And we'll be involved in it. We'll be participating. We will be bringing about what with Hashem. Hashem's help, and that itself will be giving us tremendous We are touching on the creation of Hashem's infinite kindness, connecting to Him, to His truth, to His justice, to His mastery, to His kindness. We're believing that His Midas din is kindness, because Midas din is part of the world. The entire world is chesed. 
Hashem did not create the world for the sake of Din. He created the world for the sake of Chesed. It could be Madrigus and how how powerful is the Midas Adin? The, uh, the initial cause of the Bria is only Chesed. So we can know that it's all for the sake of Hashem's Chesed. It all bring us back to His Chesed and find the way to connect to that, to bring that about, to spread that. Doesn't it? Can I ask you a question? Sure, sure. Doesn't it? I mean, like, I mean, if if I'll tell you in the Masha, like the king was coronating, uh, we were we were coronating the king, and it was this incredible moment of connection and uplifting of Nikan Yisrael. And um, wouldn't it be very very funny if there was so much focus on like Lusana Tokev and Bochin Lebavos and all those? All I mean, it just, it just almost seems like all the all the parts of the of the tefillah that focuses on Hashem judging everybody and all of me, you know. You know who's going to die, who's going to live. You know all these. Types. It just seems like they're just like nisyonos and like, like like distractions. Like oh, don't don't let the eight of the heart distract you from from what you really should be focusing on. It just it almost seems like it's if it's really true that that that, that this that the point of Roshan is this beautiful connection and, and coronations. Then why in the world do we have all these other parts of the tefillah? It just doesn't just, right. it just it's very very hard for someone to right. Okay, that's a very valid, valid question, but I want to ask you a question in response, you know, in the good Jewish way, answering a question with a question. Um, when you, when, 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 when we read that, what is it that it really evokes within us that makes us feel not so good? Is it the true, sincere concern? Maybe the amount of time that I have left in this world is limited. And I'm very concerned about that. Or is it essentially a feeling of maybe Hashem looks at me and considers me to be not good enough? I mean, there definitely probably are a lot of elements of, of you know, of, of like shameful elements that maybe I'm not good enough, but like, just on a basic level, if a person's taking the word seriously, it's like is the reason why the whole shul gets very, very emotional then is not necessarily just because of the shame aspect of it, but also like, you know, especially like during these times with you know, COVID and all the, you know, the scary things that are happening. Like the reason why it gets very scary is because a person takes it to heart. It's like, yeah, Taka, this, I could, I could really be life-threatening um, moments. And, and so, yeah, so I would, I would suggest that if really it would be coming from um, purely uh, a valid basis, true era, even of consequences of a hate, then it would essentially function to energize a person to tshuva. Okay? So maybe I messed up. I can do tshuva right now. If you feel the Russian and the person was in Russia, and he's Makadashisha, Mnashi Sadi Gomer. We say Shem here at Shubaliboy. The Ikir is the Harata Balaib. Then they Kairach, they had a hero, and it was already enough to pick them up out of Gehenim. A person has the koach to be Mesak, and he can remember Hashem. He could say, Oh, that was silly. That was nonsense. I don't know why I did it. I want to have nothing to do with it. I'm going to realize what all this nonsense is, just an assignment to me which I have to use to overcome in the future, and I'm done with it. It will be really powerful 
So now would energize a person to cut off from everything that is really silly and worthless. But if we find ourselves paralyzed and feeling not able to do anything, then that's essentially a wake-up call to us that we really feel about ourselves that we don't have the power of tshuva within us. We don't have the kedusha within us. We are, we are fundamentally lacking. That's why Revolbi writes in Maimori Yimei HaRatzin, I think it's page Samach Tes, that the starting point of tshuva is for a person to recognize that point of kedusha within him and to focus on that, to know that there's no, there's no need for yish, there's no need for shutting down. He has full capacity, every good ability to start himself in a proper direction and to go step by step in the proper direction. Nothing is stopping him. But when we are somehow feeling like, you know, desperate, unworthy, um, just feeling down, bad about ourselves, then in a certain sense, not the worst thing in the world that happens, that's, that could be a, uh, a wake-up. And all the anxiety gets, the, the, the source of anxiety gets funneled into the davening on, uh, on uh, Rosh Hashem Kippur. I can get funneled into, you know, being afraid of COVID or anything that I can get funneled into. Then we have, we have, we have a means of discovery. Oh, I have real anxiety within me. It's getting funneled into Rosh Hashanah davening. I'm hoping it'll be over. But now when it's happening, it's like, ooh, terrible, horrible. So we know, oh, I have a big issue. I have what to work on. I need some good, good, good uh, help or good methods to work on this. But it's definitely not good to feed into it. It's got to take note of it, to be aware of it and say, okay. And if somebody really cannot avoid it, I would say he's absolutely putter from saying that part of the David. <laughs> I'm willing to take the responsibility for that psak. Very rare on my part to ever pass in something. Um, <laughs> but in this case, I would pass him without any hesitation that he is, uh, is exempt from saying the Sanatayke for that part of the davening, and he could just sing his favorite nigan to himself during that time instead. <laughs> He's got to have a, 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 a negative simcha. How does, that, how does that sound? I have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be looking forward to the reaction. Okay, I guess we can pause here. Rabbi <laughs>